0: The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves.
1: Yes, ring the bell. We are back in for our little boxing podcast that corresponds with the Big Fight Weekend website. I am merely your humble host, and I do have special guests coming up to join me straight ahead. Stephen Espinoza, the president of Showtime Boxing, gracious to give us some time where we're going to cover Numerous different things, including obviously the COVID 19 outbreak, the effect it has had on the country, on the globe, how sports is shut down, and obviously when, and we hope that it is when and that it is not if, but when we can resume and under what circumstances and how Showtime is going to be involved. Stephen, obviously in the New York City area where uh, this has struck and struck hard. Uh, COVID-19. No one minimizing the importance of social distancing and isolating, but we are hopeful, hopeful that we can reasonably resume later this summer with sporting events, and Stephen will have insight on that. We're going to joke around and have some fun and, and find out what he's been doing during all the isolation, including what is he doing about a haircut? Uh, which is something that some of us uh, do have to be concerned about Uh, in isolation for a while. Of course, me less than others. I'm a little follically challenged these days. Up on top of Stephen will be here with that. And we're gonna talk some Hagler Hearns in the 35th anniversary of arguably the greatest short fight in boxing history, major championship boxing history with Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns, all of that with Stephen Espinosa and their legendary fights, their their spectacular fights that they're rebroadcasting on Friday nights right now on the Showtime Premium Cable channel. Uh, including Pauly Ayala and Johnny Tapia, Part One, Part Two, which will be this Friday night. Stephen Espinoza has all of that when he is done. Marquise Johns will be here, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. We'll catch up on some of the news on when our fights resuming. I, I know Bob Arum is making some comments about fights resuming in California and Nevada. Uh, Premier Boxing Champions is talking about maybe trying to have studio shows in uh, in Los Angeles at the Fox Television Center. Uh, What states are going to be open up to have uh, boxing, to have other sports go on without fans in attendance? We'll discuss all of this with Marquise. He's got some thoughts on Devin Haney. We've got some thoughts that Devin Haney, the lightweight off of the injury and when he's going to fight. We've got some thoughts on who's Manny Pacquiao fighting next. Uh, Is Keith Thurman going to get in the mix? Is it Thurman and Pacquiao again for the welterweight championship? Uh, We'll also talk some Hagler Hearns. will Marquise and I. Uh, and also, Dan uh, Rafel of ESPN, uh, uh, arguably the most noteworthy boxing insider and online writer in the United States over the last 15 years, uh, is out of a gig for right now. ESPN not renewing his deal. Marquise and I will have thoughts on all of that and a lot more as he's the senior writer of BigFightWeekend.com. Here a little bit later on in the podcast. So, again, with the understanding that we want to be safe, I'm going to keep saying what I say on this podcast, on other shows, other radio interviews, other radio shows that I've hosted, other podcasts that I've hosted. We have to have optimism, folks. We have to have optimism and a, and a positive outlook that things will be better and that all of this social distancing, the stay home, the isolation, is a means to an end to curb and flatten the huge spread of, that was already underway and has now been blunted by what we're doing of COVID-19. Because again, it is very serious for those that have respiratory or immune system problems. It is very aggressive. The most important point that should be made on all of this, there's not a known vaccine or treatment to help you once you get it. It is your own body. Uh, with antibiotic medication and others and the hopes that your own body can fight it off. So I totally get why we've been doing what we're doing. And once the health officials, the elected officials at the state level, the national level, say it is reasonable, that's a big word, I'm going to use that again throughout this podcast, that it is reasonable to resume, then we should do so. The same thing economically with going back to work and jobs. And I mean, folks, we are once again staring at the possibility that this could have a chain reaction effect on the economy. And beyond just the 15 million or more that have lost their jobs, 20 million or more that have lost their jobs, that number may swell to double that. I hope not, but it's it could swell into the month of May or beyond to 40, 50 million people that are furloughed and don't have a job. Uh, it may swell to more than that if this keeps up that has to be one of the priorities and one of the concerns is that economically we do have to begin to open up again because the longer that we sit like this the the long-term impact 2021 2022 and beyond becomes greater with each passing week that we sit with nothing open and small businesses go out of business and uh, people that were employed don't have a job and may not have a job for the rest of this summer or the rest of this year. Unemployment can only serve so many people and do so much before that crumbles, too, by the way. I'm not trying to be Mr. Doom and Gloom here, but this is this is the reason why we have to have optimism that things are going to be better and it is going to be more reasonable and we can get back to some normalcy later in the summer, and especially economically start to grind things back in uh, to help kickstart things and get things back going again, before we get to the point uh, of the chain reaction economically that uh, that everybody has been talking about, that we were maybe closer than we realized in 2008 in the United States to happening uh, with our economy, uh, this is certainly something that has to be at the forefront of all of the discussions, the economic long-term impact for all of us. We went into isolation and social distancing to stop the, sp- the widespread, to blunt it. If that has happened, we got to get back to some normalcy. All right, so I'm done on the soapbox. And then let's hope next level we start getting into the fights again. That's the bigger goal. That's the bigger part, at least on this boxing podcast. We want to see them. Even if, even if fans cannot be there, we've got to be limited it, uh, limiting it uh, for safety and the health of everybody involved that's covered uh, the fight, the fighters themselves, the people that are uh, necessitating the TV coverage, putting on the event, etc. Uh, test them and be able to have these events when it is reasonable, when it is safe. That's what we want. Anyway, what we further want is for you to subscribe to this podcast if you found us through a social media link or off of bigfightweekend.com, subscribe on Spreaker through Spreaker.com, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, look up bigfightweekend.com, look up big fight weekend, and subscribe. And the podcast will come automatically to you uh, as well. Rate us and review us. It'll move up in the rankings on all all those different services. But the easiest way to get a new one with all of our guests and all of the insight in the conversation is subscribe. With that out of the way, let's get rolling with guest number one. Steven Espinoza of Showtime Sports is straight ahead. Marquise John, senior writer of BigFightWeekend.com. The website is later on in the podcast. Let's get rolling with the conversation as we look towards the future of boxing. Well, as promised, he will lead things off on this edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Love getting to catch up with some of the people that obviously are decision makers on the inside. We're all hoping, wanting Uh, for everything to begin, to begin to get back to some normalcy later this summer, later this year, from what we're going through with the coronavirus. Let's say hello and check in with the president of Showtime Sports, Steven Espinoza, with us here on the podcast. It is uh, a pleasure for us to have you. Thank you for being willing to hop on here in, in what is definitely an odd, extenuating time. Boxing fans are starving for any kind of news, any kind of anything, so thank you for hopping on and helping us Uh, talk through some of this stuff it's good to have you
0: yeah happy happy to do it and um you know happy there's certainly plenty to discuss i mean i think uh notwithstanding the fact there's not a whole lot of uh, events going on you know virtually zero uh, i still think there's a lot to discuss
1: no doubt about that so let's go uh, you know here at the beginning we totally understand That the most important thing is everyone's safety, everyone's health with the COVID-19 outbreak that has gone on. uh, Stephen, I I say this because I've done a bunch of interviews where I'm the interviewer. I've been a guest on a bunch of shows and podcasts. We're all trying to fill in content segments and hours. So I've been hosting. I've been a guest. I'm in Florida and obviously in West Central Florida, it is not the same as what it is in New York and New York City and New Jersey. And you are there and you are in and around there. We are all trying to be mindful of how serious this is. I know you're going to echo that because where you are, this is a crisis. There is no doubt this is a crisis right now.
0: You know, you're 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 absolutely right. And and um, without question, you know where you are geographically, and and um, how things are going with coronavirus. You know, you know, are, are without question going to impact your outlook on it. You know, being here in New York City, um, you know, with the city, you know, shut down. You know, people taking it very seriously. You know, I um, I'm on a very high floor. I can look out the window, and it uh, it, it it's still bizarre every day. I look out and uh, literally empty streets without very few cars. Only a handful of people that can see out on the streets at any particular time. Um, you know, and for good reason, I mean in in the state of New York, we're still looking at around eight hundred people dying per day. Um, that has not slowed down yet. so it's it's a uh, it's a pretty grim situation here in New York City and New York State as a whole.
1: Well, and everybody is trying to figure out from the NBA and the NHL that want to resume their professional basketball and hockey seasons, how and where do we resume, play the end of the regular season, play the postseason, the baseball season, as you obviously uh, know, and the fans obviously know, never got underway. I don't know if you're a Yankee fan, a Met fan, maybe none of the above. Uh, here in Tampa Bay, we wanted to see what the Rays could do off a 96-win season last year. We don't know, Stephen, if they can even get the baseball season off the ground and how you, how logistically you pull that off. Um, and then there's boxing. There's obviously what you do uh, in part a- as president of Showtime Sports and, and, and Boxing. Uh, just say something overall. I mean, there has to be a right time, and I keep using the word reasonable. It has to be reasonable about when we're going to do this, reasonable about when you can test those that are going to be involved, reasonable about whether fans can be there or not. All of it has to be reasonable. But just kind of speak to we're in an odd time where everybody's trying to figure it out and everybody's trying to figure out when you can come back with your events, right?
0: Yeah, well, the first thing I'd say is that anybody who, who says that they have an answer they know what's going on or or can predict um, when the return is happening with any degree of confidence um, you should ignore them completely because look, there there's certainly people who know more about the virus itself than others um... i'm by no means an expert uh... but we are in uncharted territory in terms of you know philosophically how we get back to quote unquote normal What is normal look like? You know, my personal opinion, the normal that we get back to, at least in the short run, is not going to be look much like the normal we had back in January. And I think everyone's trying to balance, you know, what uh, what's best for community health with what's good for the economy, being able people being able to get a paycheck and being able to enjoy the types of things they enjoyed before like sports on television or maybe ultimately in person
1: no doubt about that steven espinoza hanging out with us here on the big fight weekend podcast love his insight we did talk with barry tompkins uh he and the showbox series with steve farhood uh with raul marquez they were on the call in minnesota of really what was one of the last sporting events in the United States to still come off there in March uh, before everything was being shut down that weekend starting with with uh, really March 13th, 14th, and 15th. Uh, and I said to Barry at that time, we, we may have to be prepared for kind of like what your event was where there are not fans, where it is simply uh, televised without fans across sports. Now, boxing may have a little easier time with this, uh, with the studio show idea, uh, I, I just I, I wonder what is your thought uh, about if and when things resume the studio show idea and how feasible that is for some of the fights. It's certainly not going to be as feasible. I'll answer my own question: If you have a mega fight where fifteen thousand or in an outdoor stadium eighty thousand want to be there, it's not it's not maybe as feasible to to go ahead and have that fight. But for some, this this might be the new normal you're talking about.
0: I, I think it is going to be the new normal. Um, again, I'm not an expert, but um, what we are certainly investigating and maybe ultimately planning for is that there will be some period of time in which we're doing events without a crowd. Um, where those events are, um, whether it's a soundstage or, or you know maybe it's a um, you know a, an arena or theater that isn't. Being used regularly, uh, you know who knows. We're we're in the middle of investigating those things. I doubt it will be an island, uh, private or otherwise. Um, but we are looking at a variety of different venues um, where, where we could do that. Because I, I think, look, um, there 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 are people more experienced and more knowledgeable than you or I who are working on different ways for us to get back to normal. But I, I given what we are going through now across the country and the world. I don't see how we're getting together in groups of 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people or more anytime in the near future.
1: Mm, All right. Uh, Another fun one. I don't expect you to reveal any of this, and I promise we're going to get to what's coming up later this week and then next week on Friday nights on Showtime with Reliving the Fights here in just a moment uh, that Stephen is anxious to talk more about after a fantastic debut with the Corrales-Castillo doubleheader replays on uh, Showtime fr- from last Friday night. Um, is it fair to say, though, that if the go-ahead uh, comes through later this summer, whenever that is, that we could see at least a couple of fights a month, a truncated schedule maybe on Showtime because of the circumstances? M- might we even see a month where there might be three weekends where there's a fight on Showtime because you're trying to make up for some lost ground? Is that realistic? Is it, is it uh, possible?
0: Well, I, I, I think the thing to remember is there's going to be a backlog of a bunch of stuff. Um, not just boxing, but every other sport is going to look back to play catch up. You know, maybe the NBA, maybe Major League Baseball, maybe NHL, depending where we are on the calendar. Um, certainly, if we're returning at some point in the summer, I think all three of those sports would want to uh, get back on a on normal schedule or something close to normal. Um, so you know, plus we have uh, you know series production and you know a lot of stuff that was that was halted you know in the middle of production. So that that triggers a whole range of different things. So you know, let's start with obviously there are the health concerns and testing protocols and how we get back you know to doing events in a safe way. Um, then you have to talk about all the practicalities of doing those events. Um, You know, there's going to be a a mad dash, you know, a free-for-all for for venues. You know, if we get back relatively soon, then there's going to be a lot of, uh, there's going to be NBA potentially. Who knows? They may be, you know, there's at least one plan where they're going only in Vegas. Um, But there certainly is going to be a mad rush for a lot of things, concerts, you know, esports tournaments, all kinds of things are going to be looking to get back in venues as soon as the green light happens. So, you know, it's, you know, you, you step back a minute from the world of sports and, and you know, look at the big picture. There's, there's going to be a frenzy, a frenzy of production uh, on the TV and film side, a frenzy of, you know, sports leagues rushing to get back. And it'll be, you know, really interesting to see how it all shakes out.
1: All right. Uh, again, I, I love the inside here uh, as many different ways as we can get it. How many, how many phone calls would you say? And right now we're doing this in, uh, in mid April. How many phone calls a day on the boxing part of this? Are you getting three a day? Is it 17 a day? Is it 25 a day on the boxing uh, part of it? I know you have a wide ranging responsibility with everything that's, that you've got going on, but is it more than just a couple here, there, and everywhere?
0: um it, it's definitely more than a couple I, i'd say it's probably you know on on a particular day it's probably at least 15 or 20 wow. um on the range of uh, you know because look you know part of what we're doing during this period is not just to occupy ourselves but to be prepared is trying to map out every eventuality which is impossible to do literally um but taking the most likely scenarios you know if we Are able to hold events back in June in July in August in September what would the schedule look like Um, do we think about like you say doubling up on events maybe there's a couple in a particular week maybe given um, you know the 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 complexity of the schedule and what's going to be a a really busy sports calendar maybe we move off of Saturday and Friday nights maybe we do something on the Tuesday Wednesday Mm.
2: night
1: Like that, Um, like that, never know, right, never know, we have the need, we have the need for programming, so, uh, and by, and by the way, Stephen, if he had a dollar for every time he's having to say to me or everybody else, we don't know yet, every, (laughs) we don't know yet, would
0: probably even. But everybody wants, everybody wants, you know, too, I mean, there's some really good fights, there, there are, you know, fighters who are anxious to get going, some who are in the latter stages of camp, um you know and time's time's you know the the clock is ticking you know time's running and when you're um, a boxer with a, a, a limited shelf life you know every week that goes by that you're not fighting and you don't have something scheduled you know the the anxiety the nervousness begins to build just like the rest of us
1: great stuff Steven Espinoza President Showtime Sports with me here Big Fight Weekend podcast okay Uh, Last Friday night at the time that we're taping, you debuted the Showtime Boxing Classics, and that was Diego Corrales, Jose Luis Castillo, one and two. Two phenomenal fights, the 05 fight, the consensus fight of the year, and the round of the year when Corrales, uh, amazingly, having seen that fight, uh, when it happened in the time frame that it happened, having seen that fight several times, Stephen, I'm not—I I was riveted again last Friday night, even though I knew what was going to happen. To relive it again I, I, I with Correa,
0: yes. Um, and not exaggerating, I—I I cannot watch the tenth round without getting goosebumps. I can barely <laughs> talk about it without getting goosebumps. And I know a lot of people have that—you know—that same—that uh, same experience. You know, uh, Jim Gray. Um, speaks, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you know, you know, in almost reverential tones about sort of the, the post-fight interview, and I think his question—I'm paraphrasing here—to Diego um, was something like, you know, what was it like being in this fight, or what were your thoughts? What was the experience like? And his response was, "It was an honor, sir." Mm-hmm. And, that, and <laughs> yes, um, at, you know, and, and that's there's no other way to say that, and I think even. At that moment, and you know it's really observant you know uh and and uh noteworthy that 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 Chico had the wherewithal at that point coming after of what he just had done you know he you know been on the canvas twice just minutes before to come back and have you know have the awareness to put that in context and realize this was something really, really special. And, you know, for my money, it's still the best fight I've ever seen.
1: Mm, Incredible. And and right down to Joe Goosen with the microphone picking it up while they're rinsing the mouthpiece off. You got to, I'll clean it up. You got to go get him now. You got to go get him. And he does. Uh, It's amazing to have looked back on that. And you guys did so last week. So now, at the time we're taping for this Friday, the two battles with Paulie Ayala and Johnny Tapia, one and two, that were fought right together. Uh, Man, am I this old? I'm going to keep saying this to Steven. Am I this old that that was Y2K, 1999 and then 2000? The Ring Magazine Fight of the Year was Ayala Tapia 1. And then obviously the rematch. You will show both this week. Tell me a little more about showing those in the second of the series here.
0: Uh, I mean, the, the first couple... Um Events that we show were, were probably gimme's. Um, you know the the Vasquez Marquez uh, trilogy or three of three of the four, um, since you know most people ignore the fourth one. Um, but it, you know that trilogy was an easy one. Um, it probably you know aside from the big names um, Mayweather, Tyson, you know Chavez. If you think of Showtime boxing, you're thinking of Carlos Castillo and Vasquez Marquez. Um, you know two two events or, or two series of events that that really defined boxing for that time period, at least for Showtime, then, you know, looking forward, then our, our goal was to sort of maybe take a, a little bit of, uh, you know, you know uh, a turn looking through the archives and maybe some unappreciated gems. Um, obviously, you know, it was appreciated at the time. We're doing all fights of the year during the month of April and Tapia uh, Lala fits that um but again it's not one of the ones um that maybe jumps immediate to mind when you're talking about classic fights um but if you look back you know johnny tapia one of um one of those characters that it seems like only exists exists in boxing um you, you know if you've read his book or know anything mm. about him i mean he's one of the guys who have been declared dead you know five separate times at various points in his life um just a you know a, a a childhood and young adulthood that uh, you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, and yet um, was you know generally a, a really cheerful, personable, outgoing, um, happy-go-lucky guy. And you know the same for Polly Ayala. Um, you know is you know a great personality, great ambassador from the sport and you know at the other end of the spectrum you know more of a quiet reserved guy and you put the two of them together and there were just fireworks
1: Well, there are fireworks and there's the fourth of july i'll pick up on your metaphor these are these are fights that are the fourth of july in terms of boom 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 and the, and the back and forth and tapia the late johnny tapia uh, such a story in and out of the ring so it'll be great to relive that the next friday night you've got john molina jr in two battles including one with lucas matisse where again, both fighters are on the canvas multiple times. Can't, can't wait to relive that one on Friday night, the twenty fourth, and then a Molina Mickey Bay uh, fight as well. Uh, so we'll relive those as well on Showtime. I know you're looking forward to those to closing out the month.
0: You know, in the um, you know the, the Matisse Molina was another fight of the year, and we we're looking for a fight to pair that with. Um, you know, and we we thought, well, you know, maybe you finish it up with Matisse Danny Matisse Danny Garcia, um, which was on obviously a pay per view Mayweather pay per view undercard. But you know, instead I thought oh, you know, let's let's tie in the, the John Molina, um, you know, fight against Mickey Bay, you know, which was an entertaining fight for nine and and a half rounds or nine rounds. But really, what made that one so noteworthy is that that tenth round, and it really highlights what we all love about boxing is that you're you're never out of out of it you can it doesn't matter if you're nine rounds to to nothing on the scorecards you still have a puncher's chance and that's exactly what John Molina showed and you know and one small footnote Mauro Ranallo has um, called one showbox event you know during his career Um, this is one of the rare occasions when Barry wasn't available and his one you know showbox was was bay molina um and I, so he he sort of put the mic down walked away and he said i'm not doing a showbox anymore cuz i'll never do a fight that has a more dramatic uh. ending than that
1: Love it on that. All right, I'm having fun with Steven Espinosa for a few more moments uh, with me. So you're looking at having more fights. You can't tell me right now which ones. They're not announced. Do I get, like, initials? Do I get, like, a, if, I, if I gave you initials, would that maybe be on? Would, if I gave you a year of a certain uh, fight, with that, I mean, what kind of hints? What kind of clues? What kind of breadcrumbs on some subsequent um. Showtime classics? Come on.
0: Well, I think one of the things we're looking to do for May is um, let let the viewers and the fans choose ah. one or two of them, um, so we'll, we'll have some sort of, of voting process, but I think, uh, let's see, what kind of hint? Um, <laughs> you no, know, this one is more than a hint. Um, uh, you know, I, I would say... Um, you could probably guess where I'm going if I said CBS.
1: Yeah. All right. So CBS. Yeah, that you know what? I think you know you know that I'm in the Tampa Bay area, so I think I know who you're talking about. And uh right. and and that his fight oh, yeah. epic mm-hmm. epic primetime fight if I'm thinking of the right one um yep. in the welterweight division. There's enough breadcrumbs right. for you. You might want to look in uh to that one yep. as a as a show. And that was uh an all out one. Uh, with another yeah. with another guy that went on to win the title, too, in that division. All right, yeah. so that's a, that's a good one. We we left plenty of clues right there for people to try to figure out what the heck is he talking can... about. That's what we're yep. trying to <laughs> do. We're trying to do with, uh, with this. All right, so uh, a couple of more fun ones. First of all, before I get to Hagler-Hearns, which we have to mm-hmm. talk about in a second, fun one, I have no idea what the answer is, Hopefully it's a good one. If you're not watching a screen, if you're not watching TV, if you're not on an iPad, a phone watching something have you been reading a book? Give us a recommend. In my house, you don't know this, I have identical twin girls that are almost uh, 12, that are 6th graders. We're doing jigsaw puzzles and not the little ones. We're talking about like 500, 1,000 piece jigsaw puzzles. And we're big into Star Wars. So we're doing these ridiculous Star Wars jigsaw puzzles, which take weeks to figure them out and to do them. So when Steven Espinosa is not on a screen watching the tube, watching Netflix, uh, you know, keeping up with everybody that you got to keep up with are you a book game what are you doing What's going? what give me some insight give me something
0: um, th- there there's been more gaming than um, <laughs> than there has been in the past and, and I don't have children okay. uh, now there's um, you know some house party gaming you know some family zooms and, Good. Uh, no uh, no all, jigsaw all puzzles
1: of- no jigsaw puzzle recommends no
0: it's a big jigsaw puzzle of okay. uh, person. We have certainly no shortage of them. I do not have the patience. I, yeah. I think most recently I've been a little bit preoccupied with uh, with how I'm going to get my hair cut. Which, yes. Again, I'm probably going to have to <laughs> rely... on my girlfriend and she's never done that before do you have uh,
1: clippers do you have a hair trimmer do you uh, is that in the in the vicinity where if it's a go-to and a have to or are we going to have to send you one or what are we doing
0: no like strangely enough and i don't know either she had incredible foresight or it's just lucky timing um my girlfriend had had bought clippers earlier this year i don't know (laughs) why other than you know maybe she had been hearing rumors of what could happen but we we have clippers i literally just opened them before this phone call (laughs) because i'm starting to up a little bit um i am one of those guys who gets a tear cut every you know two and a half weeks
1: Uh, no i know i don't you don't know this about me all right i don't have a lot left up on top and the twins and my wife had to help out a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago and let's just say it was a little close for comfort. I did not put a photo yet on social media. So my advice is you can always take more off. So you want to go on the highest setting possible in case there's some debate. Not not a medium or a low setting on, on a close cut there on those. And then you have to now have a before and after on social media. You're big on social media. we got to have a before and after if the clipping actually happens here.
0: In, Here's uh, my real question. Yeah. Because now, in doing the research for this, I have found out that there's, and this makes complete sense. There are actually services you can have. You can, you know, video conference or FaceTime in. A, a professional hairstylist will then supervise you and give you instructions while wait, your girlfriend is doing it. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait. Charging you what though? They're doing this for free, or do they Enough. want like the 19.95 or the 29.95 that most of us pay for a haircut to play oh, by play little, on the it, phone? What you're on the on the Zoom? What you're doing?
0: I think it's like $18. $18. <laughs> oh, it's, not, it's not bad. Like, yes, not and you've bad. got a
1: stylist going, yes, you want to get that as close to your head as possible. No kidding! To try to... <laughs> you
0: know, God. you get comments like, no, no, no. Don't oh, yes, do that. No. God. Just know, take it, it
1: take it again from me because we did this. You want to go on the higher setting early on. And then if if more needs to come... That's my advice to Steven Espinoza. If that okay, has to happen because right. we're all doing a quarantine haircut thing. it's 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 happening. Uh, it's got to happen, because for a lot of us, it's been four weeks or six weeks, and it starts to look shaggy. Yep. Uh, before yep. you go, I, uh, I uh, you're a contemporary of mine. I cannot believe I'm about to say that Hagler Hearns was 35 years ago, but April 15th is is now the 35th anniversary, 1985, of arguably, we're talking about big-time classics and, and great fights. That is arguably the greatest short fight ever in, in at least major championship boxing history. Uh, and, and the other interesting caveat is the greatest fight uh, short fight ever with only one knockdown because remember now the only knockdown is the is the one final knockdown that Hagler scores in the 3rd round. Right. When I say that to you, first of all are you astounded that that's been 35 years like I like I am and what do you remember when you when you reflect on that and when you think of that epic 3-round fight, what do you think about?
0: Well, I um it does it does strike me as um as strange as 35 years ago. And, and the first thing I think most people think about is, um, is where, where was I, you know, at that point. And I was um, in high school in 1985. Me too. And What that?
1: I said, me too. We're both right there. Did you see it live?
0: Um, I did see it live. Um, and I remember, Thinking well, I was uh, you know that, you know I, wa- I wasn't you know as deep into boxing as I am now. Although I was certainly a fan to be watching, I did see it live, and I remember thinking that's a a, a really incredible fight. Um, but I think you know it's one of those where you have to wait and see if it stands the test of time. And the simple fact that if you if you poll people, what's the um, What's the best fight of all time, the greatest fight of all time? The fact that you know there's a, a good chunk of people who would name this three-round fight as the greatest fight in, in maybe modern boxing history says all you need to know. Um, I mean, for those three rounds, they, they, they packed it in. A- and the other thing that's, that's worth mentioning here is um, it's rare that you get those kind of performances at the championship level. Because you know, and that's why you see a lot of people sometimes get frustrated at the championship level. And you don't see a, a ton of knockouts. Um, you know, obviously there 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 are some, but generally when you're getting to championship unifications or you know big rivalries like that, you're dealing with two elite guys, and the differences. And let's let's go back to you know our current welterweights. You know the differences between. Spence and Porter or Porter and Thurman or Garcia and Porter, they're, they're pretty minute. Like none of those fights, you know, um, if you, you put all those guys together at the times that they fought, none of them were stoppages, um, and they were all pretty competitive fights. So the fact that you got such an action-packed, decisive ending in, a, in an elite-level fight itself is a rarity.
1: I totally agree. Awesome, awesome first round. So I'll just, I'm going to share more in the podcast. Here's a tease, Stephen. I'm doing a little tease for later on. I'm going to share more in the podcast about the specific story. I did not see the fight live even though I'm in high school. These were the days, by the way, when there was not much pay-per-view in the home, depending on where you live. These were closed circuit, where you went to a auditorium, went to a ballroom, and you bought a ticket, like you bought a movie ticket or a, t- a fight ticket, and you went in and watched on a massive TV. I did not do that, and I actually had to wait to see the replay. And in my case, I vividly remember the replay was the ABC Uh, Wide World of Sports replay, which may have been that Saturday. This was a Monday night fight, Stephen. A pay-per-view on Monday. Don King would always have these pay-per-views, and they would in Vegas on Monday night. And they had it on Monday night. I don't know if it was the next Saturday on ABC or the following Saturday, but the Al Michaels and the Al Bernstein, now with Showtime Sports, uh, on the call of Hagler-Hearns made it even more special to see that one after. And I'll, I'll reminisce some more, but I, I vividly remember... People can't comprehend there was no internet, Stephen. There was there was radio, but there was no radio call of this fight. So you're totally in the dark. ESPN's not not on showing SportsCenter right. every hour. You had no idea what had happened until somebody came on after and said, "Okay, here's what happened in the fight." And then you couldn't see it for days. People can't fathom right. that right. now, Stephen.
0: And 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 no matter how people describe it, you're still saying, "Well, the how." How oh, was it such a great fight? It was three rounds, and and how did how did it end that way? Like it, it, you, didn't have the level of. Not only did you have the level of coverage, you didn't get the level of detail. You might get a you know twenty second mention on the evening news, yeah. but. There's still a lot of questions to be answered when it came to you know, watching that replay.
1: Great point, and I kept hearing people say, "Maybe the greatest first round I've ever seen." And, and you're a teenager, and you're going, "Okay, well, what 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 happened? Let me see it." And then you watch that first round, and the right hands that Tommy Hearns destroyed so many great championship caliber fighters with, and he's not able to knock Hagler down. He's able to rock him, but not able to knock him down. It's epic. It's epic. So that is 35 years ago this week. Thank you for reminiscing a little bit with me on that. Uh, again, Stephen, before you leave, let's plug again. This Friday night at the time that we're taping, Friday night, April 17th, depending on when you're hearing the podcast, Paulie Ayala, Johnny Tapia, both fights. The, the first fight is the Ring Magazine Fight of the Year in 1999, and Ayala was the Fighter of the Year that year. Replays of both fights this Friday night, and then next Friday night, April 24th, Showtime Sports, two John Molina Jr. Uh, battles, one and all out. Uh, multiple knockdowns of both fighters battle with Lucas Matisse, which was the 2014 consensus fight of the year. And then Molina-Mickey Bay from the Showbox series uh, will also be part of that doubleheader. I got all of that straight, right? And then stay tuned for May and later in the summer, correct, for more of these Showtime Boxing Classics,
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a, a good opportunity to, to dip into the archive. We've got 35 years of fights. So um, while certainly no one is, uh, wants this, uh, this whole environment, this situation to continue, um, we, we've got you know, uh, plenty of fights in, in, in the queue for as long as this does last
1: love that listen thank you it was a treat to have you uh, for the amount of time you gave me here on the big fight weekend podcast we love it we'll be watching on showtime we are all anxious when it is reasonable there's the word again when it is reasonable for all of this to resume we're anxious to see it all in all sports in boxing etc steven thank you a treat to have you
0: a pleasure happy to do it We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, DJ Reeves.
1: We do come back in after that conversation with Steven Espinoza of Showtime to talk with the senior writer, the purveyor, the man that keeps me in the middle of the road for everything on BigFightWeekend.com. Here he is. Marquise Johns is back with me, even though we have no fights. We do have some news here and there. Very interesting interview with Steven Espinoza, wide-ranging on a lot of subjects just before you came on. I get the feeling, as we said, Marquis, first of all, good to be with you. How are you doing? We're doing the social distancing. We're doing the uh, the self-isolation. Everybody working from home, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. How you doing?
2: Pretty good, TJ. Still working uh, like everyone else is, uh, you know, staying isolated, being in my bubble like everyone else is waiting for time to go by. Well,
1: and, uh, and as as Steven said, it's different for different people in, in the country, w- depending on where you live. It's different in different parts of the world and the globe, uh, uh, depending on where you live. Thankfully for us, we live in West Central Florida in Tampa, in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, there are fewer right now at the time that we're talking, there are fewer than 3,000 coronavirus cases in our entire area that has over 2 million people in the surrounding counties and the surrounding Tampa Bay area. Obviously, that is completely different than what's going on in New York, where there are thousands and thousands and thousands that are dying from this. Uh, so we get that. We understand that. But in different regions of the country, Marquise, you know about this, that uh, you have different states where it's a, it's really a non- factor for the most part throughout what is a large state, depending on where it is. Then you have states like California. I know you're from the Detroit, Michigan area, the state of Michigan, Chicago, other other places where it is. So we're all trying to get through it. We're doing the social distancing. Uh, As I was saying at the top of the show, the goal, the hope, I said it with Stephen, is that we can get back to the resumption of sports. We can get back to at least some form of boxing, whether it is studio boxing, etc., Uh, That is the hope. So he and I were covering that subject, and we'll see what kind of role Showtime uh, plays in it. You know, one of the names I didn't mention with him is we're waiting to see what happens with Gervonta Davis. What is his next fight? Because it's not been announced. The talk had been that it was maybe going to be featherweight champion Leo Santa Cruz, uh, and that that fight might even end up being a Showtime pay-per-view fight. So I didn't ask Steven specifically about any of that. But Marquise, what do you make? Of what might or might not happen with Gervonta Davis when fights resume, I can't believe he would. He's not going to fight in front of no fans. They would. They would wait with him, would they not, to this
2: fall to somewhere where they can have fans and can have a live gate as part of a pay per view, right? Absolutely, TJ. I believe with a lot of these fights, whenever you get boxing up and running, these studio boxing shows, I don't think are going to feature, really, in my opinion, any heavyweight players like. Can you imagine, TJ, you know, the third a Wilder Fury fight that's supposed to take place late at the end of the year not in front gonna of an happen, empty not studio gonna audience?
1: Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Thing with, we agree. Yeah, same, not going to
2: happen. Yeah, same thing with the tier one of those type of fires, You know, ones that have been main eventing. Jordan J- 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 Davis has been, made, made, uh, been selling out stadiums at this point, and, and has been a draw everywhere. He's gone with fights. I, I don't see him fighting in front of a, essentially no one. Uh, it's going to be a lot. I do believe TJ with a lot of those fights that are going, going to be with the whole studio premise – it's going to be a lot of the uh, lower tier or second tier fighters. No disrespect in the word tier, but just in terms of like in terms of like fights itself. I don't see any in
1: n- terms of in- names. In terms names, of okay. the biggest names, the biggest names won't be there. But there there may be an occasional significant name or fighter fighter that says, "Hey, I I'm going to get paid, uh, maybe what I was already going to get paid." And uh, and the TV audience will be great for me to fight. Let's say hypothetically in late June, in early July, even if there's very few people in and around it. So we got to wait and see how that part um, uh, plays out. And of course, you can speak to the fact that you were at Gervonta Davis's fight with Uriokis Gamboa in late December in Atlanta, and what was that atmosphere like? Again, which which again, uh, you had not really had a big time prize fight in the ATL at least a title fight with a huge up-and-coming name in
2: a long time. What was that atmosphere like again? Absolutely, TJ. It was absolutely bananas for that fight. Also, keep on with that fight. The fight also didn't end until late past 12, 1230. Also, before that as well, a few blocks down the street from that fight, there was a certain college football game taking place in the <laughs> Peach Bowl. And even, even despite that, TJ, everywhere I was going, up and down, uh, catching rides, you know, carpooling and Ubering and whatnot, this ticket to this fight for Davis was a big thing to get. It was promoted heavily on radio up there in town. You, Pretty much everyone I talked to was like, oh, are you going to the fight? Like, yeah. like That was that was the whole atmosphere of it. It was something they had not had since, you mentioned, since Holyfield back in the late 90s. And they were looking for and it. was it, it showed for it on the television broadcast as well. It was actually a great atmosphere for it.
1: Uh, and, and by the way, LSU was playing Ohio State right, that night, or LSU was playing Oklahoma, that's right, that night, and LSU scored the quicker knockout than Jervante Davis did, so that kind of helped the Davis (laughs) pay-per-view in the fight because that was like a first-round TKO by Joe Burrow and LSU uh, in the semifinal game before they went on to win the national championship. Uh, All right, so we'll see what happens with where Davis emerges. I would be surprised if it's not until a little later in the process and in front of fans, somewhere because you may you may be seeing that. Again at the time that we are taping, we're in the second week of April. I will continue to maintain on these podcasts we, we don't know June yet. There, therefore we don't Marquise. We don't know yeah. September. Therefore, we don't know November right now in the second week in April. So let's take this kind of a week at a time and see how things are when we get to May, when we get to mid-May, when we get to June. That would be the idea. Um, and boxing is one of those sports that can survive and operate without fans and and be a television entity, a pay-per-view entity, uh, that kind of thing. We'll see how that goes. All right, one more subject, too, is, uh, and, and look, uh, we do this. Uh, we don't do it at the highest level. I don't pretend that you and I are at the highest level. But we do have a significant spot, I think, in covering uh, the sweet science of boxing. One of the more significant guys in writing and talking about boxing over the course of the last 20 years, Dan Rafel, is out of his gig at ESPN. And that is big news, Marquise, because he is someone that has been the senior writer, the lead columnist on ESPN.com for boxing for the better part of about 15 years. He's been a bit of a polarizing figure. Maybe you think he's a much more polarizing figure, Marquise. I'll get your comment on that in just a second. But there, there is no doubt this is a big deal in boxing media that he's out of a gig, at least for now. I don't think he'll be out of a gig for very long, ESPN choosing not to renew his deal after 15 years with their network. A lot of visibility, et cetera. Marquise, what do you want to say about that whole situation?
2: Absolutely, TJ. Two things, actually. It stinks that Rafael was out at ESPN in something that is really unprecedented, and it's weird because... For the most part, when it comes to boxing media, TJ, love him or hate him, hate his take, Is if he blocked you on Twitter. I mean, he's blocked, apparently, my boxing Twitter, hundreds. <laughs> it, it, for one reason or another, the man was the voice of boxing journalism. For example, TJ, usually it on media conference calls for leading up to these fights, you know, where you interview the fighters, you know, get their, get their quotes for media credentials and press releases and whatnot. The first person they asked a question from every single time, TJ... You hear Dan Rafael of ESPN. You hear it; it's clockwork. You can set your watch to it. And it's funny because I met him actually when I was up there in Philadelphia. TJ up there at the uh, Gervazic Better Be a fight up up in Philadelphia when all the right. media was up there. Got to shake his hand. Take about two, two seconds to me. Didn't know me from you know the, the, the people in traffic or people on the street. That's a loose change. <laughs> but he was nice to me. You were so dressed better than those people asking for the loose change. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was cold, but <laughs> that's neither here to there. But no, either way, you know, he was fine. He, 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 he was. He took time out to talk to me for like three seconds. You know, telling me, you know, keep doing what I'm doing. Didn't know what I was doing, but kept right. doing it. So.
1: We cannot overstate that in terms of boxing on the internet in the U.S. and coverage, he is the dean, the senior guy for that, the guy that had been doing it longer, covering more, been around the world and back covering the sport of boxing uh, with all these different big events and fights. Um, there, there is no understating how many big events that he was at. He, if you watch him on social media, he's constantly, I've got a program or a credential from this fight or that fight over the last 20, 25 years or so. I can't believe Marquis. He's going to stay out of work that long. He has got too many great connections, too much information flowing, uh, to him that he's going to be valuable to
2: somebody, Right. Absolutely. DJ. I don't think he's unemployed for very long. I think he's impl- I think he's just unemployed for as long as he wants to at this point. Because and, it, it, and we
1: should mention that this comes at a horrible time. Yes, with the covid-19 outbreak and businesses shutting down everywhere that ESPN went to their existing talent, their top tier talent on TV, on the internet, on the radio, and said to all of them, we would like for you to take voluntary, voluntary, but we're going to put it out there so that you're (laughs) shamed, so that you're shamed if you don't take the voluntary pay cut of 15%, because we're trying to save lower-level staff people's jobs uh, right now. And it would not surprise me if there are others besides Dan Raphael that we're going to find out in the coming days or few weeks that are not having their deal renewed kind of the same way where ESPN uh, cuts their ties with them to try to save money. Uh, so he's not it's, not; it's not as if he was just isolated in this. It's just awful timing with his deal being up, the coronavirus going on, and ESPN maybe may looking at this and saying, hey, boxing's not going to be back for two or three months, and we will just move on. And Dan, and Dan Rayfield, I think, will move on as well, Marquise.
2: I think you will, TJ, and you—you you know that that whole structure works. Where you know it's voluntary. You—you you covering a uh, Buccaneer football for as long as you have has been a a a a, a proponent of seeing you know off-season voluntary team activities. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not not very voluntary when you have to fly in from town. Only they? for so. the
1: guys that want to make the team is it voluntary? <laughs> it's kind of like when your employer is talking about, hey, we're going to do this. Uh, charitable endeavor and it's voluntary and I'm going to be there and the senior staff is going to be there it ain't voluntary anymore if that's if that's the not scenario so much not going to be <laughs> not going to be voluntary uh yeah so we get it uh, we get it on that with uh Dan Raphael you you agree with me won't be out of work probably for very long at some point probably later this this summer when fights resume he will be somewhere Uh, Hey, he can write freelance for us on BigFightWeekend.com and break the stories as well. We'll put that out there. He'll be somewhere, though.
2: We agree? Absolutely. He'll be somewhere and somewhere quickly, actually, TJ. That's the the, uh, number one free agent on the market. I'll be off the board very quickly in terms of boxing media. All right, so let's talk about some
1: different... Bob Arum was talking about this um, earlier in the week, about these types of fights. I get the feeling they may be one of the first ones ready to go. I I know PBC, since we've last done a podcast, Premier Boxing Champions, has said they may use the Fox Television Studios uh, in in Century City, Los Angeles, Century City section of Los Angeles, their television studios where they tape a lot of their uh, television shows and programming, etc., that they may use that. I got the sense that uh, listening to Bob Arum um, on some interviews and some podcasts, they're ready to go with maybe several fight cards in June and July, even if there are no fans. What do you make of that, Marquise?
2: It's going to be interesting, TJ. Uh, there may be a bizarre bidding war or all of them pretty much fighting in the same lot, which, as you know, as i recording this podcast, the uh, WWE Performance Center located in beautiful Full University in Orlando. Uh, because that's considered as he but that report the uh, an essential business out of all things. If right. You Can believe that. Well, so go- interesting. Much no matter
1: what your politics are, the governor of the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, has basically said that we believe sports are essential. There's that. There's that key word. And so the WWE can go on with their live programming. And oh, by the way, if professional sports teams want to open back up whoever it is in empty arenas we'll we'll evaluate that and we'll go along with that too so just be aware that that's florida talking about this right now
2: absolutely and i think they're all going to sometimes way to, try to pretty much circumvent going down that way it's funny you mentioned the uh, uh pbc using uh, the fox slide in los angeles they may just transport that down to uh, orlando as well because as we all know wwe has a, a billion dollar contract with fox on Friday nights for their fights, which makes that, you know if you put the change together, the same network, same sporting event entity, same location. Uh, it's interesting to see how that works. Uh, Bob also mentioned how they're they're he's friends with Vince. I mean, they're all friends. They're 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 business owners of business boxing and sporting events. So we'll see how that all t- shakes down and who 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 fights there first and see who who picks it up on that. I'm I'm really intrigued, TJ, on your end. I want to get your p- opinion on this as well. Who do you think will uh, shake down that that location down first or run down to it first, Uh, Top Rank or PBC?
1: Well, I I mean, I I don't know that, uh, you know, and maybe then Top Rank's um, deal with ESPN might take some kind of precedence as well on being able Mm -hmm. to do something in Orlando, say, at Wide World of Sports, which people have been talking about that. Disney has the Wide World of Sports facilities, includes basketball arena, includes a a bunch of uh, sporting fields where they play soccer, where they play baseball, where they play cricket, believe it or not, in tournaments. (laughs) They have all kinds of different things that are going on there, and it's completely shut down right now. So in terms of, from a health standpoint, from a... Uh, closed off uh, biodome that we keep here getting talked about to be able to keep it close quartered and keep track of who's in and who's out. It would be easier to do that. And maybe top rank takes advantage of that relationship with ESPN. And they're there, part of it in Orlando. Maybe Orlando and, and Central Florida becomes a hotbed. Maybe it is L.A. Again, that's incumbent on the California governor, uh, Gavin Newsom, allowing this and loosening it up. Plus the the mayor, uh, what is it, uh, Eric Garcetti, I believe, is the son of the former D.A. Gil Garcetti is the mayor of Los Angeles. It would be incumbent on him on are we going to loosen this stuff up. What happens in Nevada? What happens in Las Vegas? All of that uh, all of that remains to be seen. Um, all right, so uh, what else do we have in the way of news or anything else to cover? I know, again, we're focusing some on our area, but Keith Thurman, one time Thurman, who we're going on a year since we've seen him, Right now, at about ten months since we saw him fight Manny, or uh, nine months since we saw him fight Manny. Uh, no, ten, right? July, uh, July. So roughly nine, ten months since we saw him fight Manny Pacquiao on pay per view uh, and be beaten uh, in a tremendous uh, time altering performance by Pacquiao, beating beating Father Time as well as Keith Thurman, and handing him his first loss. Thurman has since had hand surgery on his left hand. Is now back healthy, Is now back training, and he's making the rounds in the media, um, including speaking of PBC, on a PBC uh, video and podcast show, saying that he's interested in some fights. What what do you make of all this with Keith Thurman getting back in the mix in the welterweight uh, division?
2: Just want to make sure everyone doesn't know that uh, Keith, one time Thurman, wants to fight once again and still wants a big name in in the process of it. Uh, He mentioned that he wants the Pacquiao rematch he wants. Uh, he mentioned uh, Crawford in, in passing. He mentioned Garcia. He mentioned Spence. You he he mentioned all the big names like everyone else expected in the division. I mean, coming off a loss, T.J. So uh, I mean, why wouldn't he? So we'll see what happens with Furman and see who they, like, they line him up with next. I thought also that in terms of rematches, I, those who didn't think you'd get Pacquiao will fight. You may have gotten Hasito Lopez again and sh- seeing how that shakes out. But knowing Furman, he wants more likely the big names like everyone else. We'll see when they fight everyone, these guys all fight together once again and and shake that all down. But I'm really intrigued, TJ, if they really do plan to have Furman Pacquiao too. I'm I'm all for it. I've written about it at bigfightweekend.com about how I want that rematch to happen some way or another. I know a lot of other people aren't on board because they think because it's Pacquiao, you know, he doesn't have that many fights left. They want to see him face somebody different. But at the end of the day, TJ, it's what Pacquiao chooses. And if Pacquiao chooses Furman again for a second go round somewhere somewhere exotic back in either like the Philippines in his home base or even back in Vegas, like it usually may be. We'll see what happens.
1: And again, they're dealing with COVID-19, the coronavirus in uh, the Philippines as well. And he hasn't fought either. He hasn't fought since July of last year. Pacquiao, soon to be later this year, 42 years of age. I still believe the juice in the McGregor rumor uh, is there at some point somewhere. The Errol Spence fight is the much bigger fight for a pay-per-view, and then the tier drops way off, speaking of your two-tier system or your three-tier system, to whoever that is, whether it's Keith Thurman. Uh, again, I don't, I don't think the worldwide public, I don't know that that many people in the country care about Mikey Garcia getting a shot uh, at him, because to most, Mikey Garcia is still a blown-up lightweight trying to fight at 147. He's not one of the... Not one of the, I don't know. A Dan, Danny Garcia, Swift Garcia. That doesn't do a whole lot for me against Manny Pacquiao either. What mm-hmm. about it, Marquise?
2: Well, no, those aren't the biggest names on my on my block either. Actually, and I'm really intrigued with uh, with Garcia, not Danny Garcia in general, because and not Manny Garcia, but Mikey Garcia, just to see where he where he's to, He may be next to Brad Cofford, the biggest odd man out in all of these names, mainly because he's looking for a big time fight like everyone else is. At, at 147, but no one, and as you just mentioned, TJ, everyone just thinks he's the big, he's just a big, a big 140 fighting, at, fighting at the wrong weight. And the thing was, I think what Garcia is, and he's trying it out at 147 because at, at the end of the day, TJ, if he wants to go back to 140, he can always go back to 140 because he gave it the belt. He's the champion in recess, when, you know, WBC sanctioning uh, statuary. You know, <laughs> he can fight for the mandatory <laughs> blase blase. Don't wanna, No one has time on this podcast for that, TJ, but. <laughs> So if if at any time he thinks he can, he fails at 147 in his own mind, he can always go back down to 140 and face Jose Ramirez for that belt, uh, or whoever's the champion at the time. If it's Josh Taylor down the line, when they get back, I'm running. But in the meantime, I I see why Garcia's trying it. I just don't know if he has any other options.
1: Well, and and you mentioned the name Terence Crawford, and again, he's in the news and he's on social media uh, about trying to drum a fight up, and and is still the odd man out because Premier Boxing Champions basically controls the welterweight champions and the, and the division right now with those different guys. And they have no intention of dealing with the WBO and no intention of dealing with Crawford as much as Bob Aram at top rank or Eddie Hearn, who has Mikey Garcia uh, is trying to, is trying to wedge their way in to fight an Earl Spence or to fight a Manny Pacquiao or fight a Sean Porter or a Keith. It's not going to happen. It doesn't look like it's going to happen for 2020. And maybe not uh, for a while. And I'm glad you brought that up. I probably should have made mention of this a little bit more. I wrote about this on the site. At the time that we're taping the podcast, uh, Terrence Crawford has still not apologized for the comments he made on a Chris Mannix Sports Illustrated uh, athletic podcast. uh, Athletics boxing writer, SI's Chris Mannix. Uh, where basically, not basically, he did. He said on the podcast that he believed that the coronavirus, COVID-19, is a hoax. It's not real, his exact words that he was saying. Uh, Marquise, I realize he's not the most famous of athletes. He's certainly not someone that's more important than our government officials and the health officials, but you Mm -hmm. have a certain responsibility from where I sit if you're an important enough sports figure that you're that you're uh, one of the noteworthy names in your sport, which he is, uh, he's gotten a lot of airtime on ESPN over the last two or three years. There are sports fans who know who he is. Of course, boxing fans who know who he is. You got to yeah. be more responsible than than that. And to me, with all of those that are seriously ill and dying, and family members and friends of those that are dying from this, you you can't be saying on a podcast it doesn't exist. That that to me, uh, top rank should have come out and should have said, as his promotional arm, you need to get in front of this and apologize and just and just say you misspoke, you you didn't mean to downplay it. That's what I believe should have happened. It hadn't happened. I've said my piece. I've written my piece. What do you want to say about all that? Because you got your own opinions.
2: Pretty much, TJ, but pretty much the same lines as yours. You can't say that, TJ. That falls into the lines of, you know, you hear athletes say bad and, and, and idiotic things, and it's really idiotic when you think about it, considering the fact that people are dying, people are losing jobs in this whole pandemic. You oh, can't, no doubt. Yeah, you just can't say, oh, this isn't the, you know, make-believe or, you know, the, you know, flying dragons, any of that stuff. You can't, you can't group this a, a life altering experience that everyone's going through right now. I understand all of I
1: understand part of the point he was making, and he's right, that the media takes something in in and the present day twenty four hour cable news media is the worst culprit. Uh, of taking something, and we are now just going to fear-monger everybody into the corner. I understand Uh that point. If he's specifically talking about the coverage of what's going on, that it's too much, that it's exaggerated, okay. But as I wrote, it's a totally different level, a next level to say, this is a, a hoax, or it's made up, or it doesn't exist. Um and so anyway, uh, again, um, that it's one of those things that it did get picked up. It has a little bit of legs, a little bit of steam. Maybe later in a week, uh, somebody will say something or care, or maybe at this point, Uh, we will chalk it up to he's not LeBron James. He's not Dak Prescott, who is apologizing everywhere right now, except with like Rachel Ray on her cooking show or on with Elmo on Sesame Street. I think Dak Prescott has gone on everywhere to apologize (laughs) about having the house party at his house uh, where they're supposed to be having social distancing and stay home orders in Texas. So again, when you are uh, the biggest of big names in all of these different sports i I get it i i understand and crawford is not at that level he is a talented uh boxer who's noteworthy in boxing and so maybe that's he's under the radar a little bit because of that there's my thought any any final thought there on that before we move on uh to Hagler and hearns which i want to talk about with you next
2: here on the podcast just tj you usually don't don't call things that are ruining people's lives a hoax you just just don't just don't (laughs) especially um, when you
1: look at it in the case in New York that in the last two weeks alone, there have been more than 10,000 deaths. Just in the last couple of weeks in the New York State and, in, and primarily New York City, uh, that is a real sobering reality check on uh, on what they are dealing with. Um, all right, so happier things. As I mentioned with Steven Espinoza, I cannot believe 35th anniversary of Hagler versus Hearns which I believe is the greatest short fight in boxing history. You can maybe put an argument in for a couple of other ones. But this one, and it only had the one knockdown at the very end by Hagler. So I've got some other things uh, to bring up about it. But when I say Hagler-Hearns, April fifteenth, 1985, to you,
2: what comes to mind? What do you want to say about it? Just the sheer brutality of it, TJ. And it's one of those fights that everyone looks back on when people say, you know, their top five fights, top three fights of all time. If Hagler Hearns isn't in that list, the list is null and void, period. It's not even even for debate, discussion, whatever have you. That fight itself is the one that everyone always looks back to when they mention heavy in terms of violence in general, and especially the lead up to this last Wilder Fury pay-per-view. I I remember a certain uh, uh, Tyson Fury saying he wants to bring it back like Hagler Hearns. So people always go back to this fight as the one that people mention in in terms of great fights as a whole, and I can see why. And if you haven't seen it, I'm. where have you been? And I know why now, look, just looking back at it.
1: Yeah, it's just amazing, uh, Marquise, to go back to that first round in particular. It may, it's, it's probably the greatest first round in a big-time fight that was ever. And the, and the thing about it is nobody went down in the first round, but Hearns certainly got the attention of uh, of Marvin Hagler with a couple of big right hands, and then he emptied everything. He emptied everything in the bag. He emptied all, all the artillery uh, Emmanuel Stewart, the late great trainer from the Cronk Gym, uh, basically said he fought the whole damn fight in the first round and didn't knock Marvin Hagler out. Uh, just incredible uh, when we go back and, and we look at that um, and, and that night. Uh, and, and Hagler eventually just got to Hearns and eventually hit him with big punches. And you weren't really sure if a couple of those right hands in that third round were having an effect. But boy, when he landed the last one on the temple and you saw... Hearns go completely limp and sag uh, onto almost onto Hagler's shoulder, and then flop to the canvas and not be able to get up. You knew that was a big time punch, and Marvin had gotten his man in that moment.
2: Absolutely, and it's really just one of those great shots that you see, and it, 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 it to this day. In fact, I think if memory serves me well, TJ, I want to say Top Rank still uses it in their pro, uh, promotional photos, for, like for opening credits or fight coverage, right? I anytime mean, they start a uh, Top Rank fight on ESPN. It's in the it's in the preview package, and it's, <laughs> as it's and it's that right, and it's a good one. Because in fact it is' Network, it's then there next to uh, Vito Melaneki's uh, debut where he, he hit the kid with the left. so it, it's, it's a great shot and it, it, it stands test it the time looking back, boys looking back at that fight.
1: Okay, so quick story because I'm older than you and as Steven Espinoza of Showtime and I were talking about we were both in high school. Uh, was Marquise in diapers maybe 1980 were you on the planet in 1985 make me feel even older right now while we type uh, t- take the big uh, fight weekend podcast. Were you were you alive in 1985?
2: Get, uh, get the garlic ready, TJ. No, I was actually in my diapers at zoo. All
1: right. Uh, so I'm in high school. And let me tell you a fun little story. So this, this again, has... Um, it is amazing uh, that the, the day and age that we live in is instantaneous everything. You got to remember, 1985, there's no internet, Marquise. There's yeah. no radio coverage of this fight. ESPN is in about its sixth year of existence, and ESPN would show a lot of games or reruns and different stuff at night. They wouldn't come on with Sports Center until 11 p.m. Eastern time, and at that time, the fight wasn't over. As I joked with Steven, um, that this was a Monday night, by the way. Hagler-Hearns on a Monday night, and, by, and Don King would frequently have big-time fights, uh, big closed-circuit fights, huge Vegas fights, Uh, that were not on Friday or Saturday or even Sunday. He'd have a midweek in Las Vegas, which was interesting. So Hagler Hearns was on a Monday night. I still remember this. So I'm a fight fan. I'm in high school. I got no way to see it. I didn't have a closed circuit ticket. I hadn't gone and, uh, you know, my father didn't take me. I didn't go and drive and go buy one with any friends. Mm -hmm. So I'm waiting like everybody else. What the heck happened? We don't know. Um, and again, it's not like ESPN had the bottom line crawl either to break it. You're no. just waiting, you're just waiting and waiting. And I remember hearing on the radio locally here in Tampa that Hagler had won and had won quickly and it was uh, the, the the best uh, fight in years that had only gone three rounds. And so now you were waiting for when is the replay. So here's the other thing. So there's very little pay-per-view in homes at this time. It's basically closed circuit. So it's not like you had a cable box that could even get the pay-per-view if I have my timing correct. By the way, there's no replay on it. So if you missed whatever whatever happened on the broadcast, it's not like it was still replaying on a pay-per-view channel or something else. You stood in a closed circuit venue, in an auditorium, in a theater. You watched the fight. That was it you 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 know you went home whatever all right so now you got to wait days and as i remember it i think hbo had the first replay and it, at that time i don't think we had hbo in my household to see the replay oh, but man. i th- i know i think i think either that same weekend or it may have been the following weekend that abc's wide world of sports also had the replay rights with the al michael's on the call with Al Bernstein, the legendary Showtime announcer now, the former ESPN announcer, Al Bernstein on the call with Al Michaels, Al and Al of that fight on ABC. And I still remember that that replay on that Saturday afternoon. It was riveting. Even though you knew about it a week later, you wanted to see it uh, for yourself and see what happened. So, Thank you for indulging me on the memory lane of how I got to enjoy Hagler and Hearns after it happened. It wasn't as it happened. It wasn't live. Uh, And it was a crazy different time when you couldn't find out about these fights. You had to go for a while to even know what had happened if you weren't actually watching a close. Can you imagine that now, when we have everything instantaneously, when when social media tells us immediately that Hagler just knocked him down with a big right hand, or the crawl on the bottom of the screen says Hagler third round
2: TKO over to, over Thomas Hearns, we can't fathom that, can we? In the present day? So the ma- no, present day teaching does not doesn't exist. We mean you mean I got to sit and wait. And wait a week or two for a result to see what actually happened, how it went down. You mean I couldn't just click on a link and find this, or it's not on the YouTube <laughs> or anything? No, get it, Get out. no. Even, even in my time, TJ, because I am a little younger to you, even when I remember this, just watching sports Center as a kid growing up. Even the, even even that technology changed dramatically in the spirit of the '90s. Because even in, I remember as a kid watching, you know, just score highlights in the '90s. They'll just replay the one play midnight, the midnight broadcast over and over again, like overnight. And then the, the event, there was like a sport that was, you know, that ran overtime, like a late baseball game or whatever have you. They would cut into it. You know, the per, one person sitting at the desk saying, <laughs> hey, here's your score update. <laughs> and then it'll go, it go back to the tape of, of Craig Kilborn or whoever was doing the overnight uh, right. uh, replays of highlights. Right. <laughs> like as if nothing ever happened. It's like, oh, man. But yeah, I, I couldn't imagine just sitting around waiting for a result like, of, a, of a fight of that magnitude. Well, and uh, and
1: that's the way, I mean, whether you're talking about... Uh, even when Hagler fought Leonard, and that obviously is this same month, two years later, April of 87, Sugar Ray Leonard off the three-year layoff, uh-huh. uh, same thing. That, that was a midweek closed circuit. There may have been more pay-per-view technology at that point with the cable systems where you could get it in your house. I do remember uh, for that one that i did not i did not go to a closed circuit location but i want to say if i remember correctly we were watching in the house um we were watching it on pay-per-view somewhere so i do i do remember seeing that and just being amazed at sugar ray leonard um and what he was able to do all right so i'll ask you because uh, i had written the recap previously on bigfightweekend.com to this day do you believe Ray Leonard won that fight or Marvin Hagler won that twelve round fight after after Hagler left no doubt about knocking out Thomas Hearns? And Leonard had also beaten Thomas Hearns in their in their clash in nineteen eighty one. So now it was uh it was Leonard Hagler. Who do you believe won that
2: fight and why? Still think on a stylistic standpoint, DJ, that Leonard won that fight pretty handily, actually. Good I wasn't man. like eight eight Good, like eight four, Good for you. I, I, that's the way it the way it shapes out. It, it was a great fight, though. Yeah, I don't think that was a draw at all. But I think it been legitimate robbery on now. One to be honest with you.
1: As more as uh you know as more um, analysis came over years of that fight, uh I I think people have begun to accept that Leonard won so many of the first six rounds of the fight, yeah. That it, that in a lot of people's minds. Um Leonard was up 4 to 2 or maybe even 5 to 1 and yes Hagler comes on and scores some and has some big punches and has a couple of big rounds but he was behind and and Leonard I believe won at least the 11th round if not the 11th or the 12th round to seal the deal and get the uh, and get the split decision that night and Marvin Hagler at uh, at that time almost 33 years of age never fought again. How about that? Leonard went on to fight for another uh, three or four years. Actually, uh, he came out of retirement a couple of more times a couple and times, fought yeah. into the early 90s, fought like another six years, right? Another five or six years. Um, Marvin Hagler never fought again. after the, What do you make of that, Marquise,
2: after Sugar Ray Leonard beat him? Still nuts that he actually hasn't fought since then. You would think with with with, with boxers who you know they claim retire. You know, I mean Floyd Mayweather's been retired you know for the last fifty six times. You know, Adrian Broner. You know, the list goes on and on. And they they at some point they all come back.
1: But in this case, uh, he did not come back. Never came back. Uh, never fought. Be- uh, no doubt. So back. yep, never came back and. uh and uh, you know tw- he made 12 million dollars that night which was the biggest payday for a non heavyweight ever marvin hagler which in today's dollars that's probably double he would have made it right around 24 million maybe even a little more than that unheard of money leonard got guaranteed 10 million that night again the most remarkable parts of this leonard had never fought as a middleweight before at 160 Marvin Hagler had fought as a middleweight for 15 years. That was his weight. And Leonard had no tune-up fight off a three-year layoff to put that together. I mean, put it in perspective that Tyson Fury put together the great performance in December of 2018 with Deontay Wilder, right, Marquise? He had two Uh tune-up fights before that. He had two fights uh, in 2018 before he fought Deontay Wilder. Sugar Ray Leonard, three-year layoff. Came out of retirement um and lo and behold still defeated marvin Hagler that night and i know there are those that still disagree and want to argue but there you go so those two fights are both in (laughs) april and by the way plug away here we have a lot of fun writing about all of these historical fights you recently wrote about de la hoya and sweet pea pernell whitaker in the late 90s uh going back in the uh, time machine we love the history pieces on uh, bigfightweekend.com do we not marquise
2: absolutely tj speaking of of robberies by you. BigFightWeekend.com, uh, your source of boxing news, past, present, and future. Do a lot of uh, look backs on fights as well. I, remember, I do remember in high school watching uh, Whitaker Delahoy and just watching that fight and watching it back again for the piece, uh, wrote on BigFightWeekend.com. Still think Whitaker won that fight handily and that the scorecards came back and they had it way wide for Oscar, and I still don't see how they had it to this day. And it, and it brings up the great quote that uh, Whitaker had, and people on social media would probably agree with this, may say. Obviously, we need to have fans start judging some of these fights as opposed to these judges, which I still think is <laughs> one of the great quotes afterwards. Yeah.
1: Well, remember Par- Pernell got robbed of a of a win over Julio Cesar Chavez in a fight that he clearly won, and Chavez got the yes. mysterious Don King WBC uh, judging and referee input into a into a draw uh, in that instance. But uh, the late Pernell Whitaker was something to behold, and again, he fought the Golden Boy. Back, uh, Oscar de la Hoya back 23 years ago now. So we'd love to go in the Wayback Machine with nostalgia on BigFightWeekend.com. All right, anything else in closing here uh, on the podcast before we get out of here, Marquise?
2: Just uh been seeing everyone talking a bunch of noise because as, as you may have guessed, TJ, even the world of boxing says there's no live boxing. The only thing you can do is posture on things. Don't know what that will lead to the, down the line, but it's it's fun seeing, uh, speaking of people that are... that. Speaking of fighters that are on the odd odd outside looking in, add Devin Haney to that list. T.J. Uh, the new recrowned W.B.C. lightweight champion, uh, it has been making been making noise at Ryan Garcia, uh, been yelling at talking to Taylor Fima Lopez, been calling uh, Vasiliy Lomachenko Nomachenko, I mean, <laughs> been challenging Tank Davis. He's been calling anybody, everyone, and everyone out for a fight at this point, like like they're usually doing this downtime. Uh, so far, TJ, out of all those names listed, he has zero shot of fighting even a single one right. of these guys. And so, he's off
1: of shoulder surgery, right, last winter, yes. like November. So there's an injury question, too, for him right now. And it, and it may be that Devin Haney ends up being one of those guys that fights in one of these studio shows, maybe against a little lesser name uh, to get a tune-up fight in, because I agree with you. I don't know that he's going to step back in with any of those names that you just mentioned and have and have much of a shot against any of them. Right? No,
2: I, no, I don't think he has a shot currently with the, with those guys. No, only because of the competition that he's faced, and he's just he. The last fight he was on was the uh, he was part of the undercard for the uh, KSI Logan Paul two shenanigans, and wasn't well. That's what he had the shoulder, so he wasn't that great in that fight either. So we'll see how that turns out. He may be one of the hordes of fighters who I think may step up and take one of these studio show fights against the who's who of other fighters who needs to fight as well because they will all be wanting to fight when they, once it's all said and done. But yeah, add him to that list. But outside of that, TJ, just waiting for at some point clearance from one of these locations. They keep saying how everything's going. They keep mentioning this, the start day of trying to restart the economy. That's the big buzzword around everything you see on news this week. So we'll see how everything shakes out with everything with this whole pandemic.
1: In the meantime, keep reading BigFightWeekend.com. Again, Marquise is the senior writer. It uh, keeps everything uh, rolling and going along. I contribute where I can contribute as well as part of BigFightWeekend.com. Uh, we are interested in uh, in any and all. Uh, and again, Marquise, plug away on how they find you on social media and all of the Big Fight Weekend social media as well.
2: Absolutely, TJ. You can find me on Twitter at Radio, all one word. Still, pandemic or not, TJ, pound-for-pound pound best Twitter handle in boxing Twitter. I challenge everyone on it every single time still no no, no, no competition. It's all right. But you can also find me as well at the, the boxing website as well, at Big Fight Weekend. Follow that as well for the news and, the, and stories and updates. And once again, the website, bigfightweekend.com.
1: No doubt. Facebook as well, bigfightweekend.com uh, to find out more and stay engaged. Subscribe to this podcast as well. By the way, whether you found us on Spreaker, subscribe, whether you found us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, whatever, a social media link, etc., uh, etc., cetera, et cetera, subscribe to the podcast. It'll come automatically to you whenever there's a new one. Uh, we got some uh, some more. Whenever there's news and info, we'll have it. We have some more guests that we'll probably be getting to and talking to. Uh, Marquise, I had fun with you. I had fun with Stephen Espinoza, the president of Showtime Sports, who hopped on with us uh, talking about theoretical, how soon can boxing resume and what will it look like. We had fun talking Hagler and Hearns and the anniversary of that fight, depending on when you're hearing us, is midweek Wednesday, 35 years ago. Holy cow, uh, for what happened with that. Uh, For now, though, we are done. Again, I'm TJ Reeves from Marquise Johns, from all of us associated with BigFightWeekend.com. Thank you for being with us here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bye.